0: Hi guys, my name is Atharva. Hi, I'm Atish. Uh, And you're listening to the SoFi podcast, a podcast on philosophy. Where we think out loud about things that you have no time to think about. So podcast on philosophy, this is our first episode. And uh, this is just a clarification. We are not here to answer any questions for you. Philosophy does not do that. Yeah. It does not give you any clear cut answers. What it gives you is different ways of looking at a certain thing and then you can choose a way that suits you the best exactly. and that aligns best with your worldview and you can make it your own. So that's what philosophy is for, it's for understanding the world on your own terms and therefore we won't be giving you clear-cut answers, but we'll definitely be telling you a lot about uh, different views and perspectives on certain things and on certain matters.
1: Exactly. What philosophy does is make you question question things that you take for granted and that is exactly one of the things that we'll be questioning today. So what what according to you is the central problem of philosophy? Or like the first thing that comes to your mind
0: when you think about philosophy? Okay, so I won't call it a central problem. I would call it the main question per mm-hmm. se. Yes. Yeah as to why as to why anyone gets into philosophy. And as to why either of us have gotten into philosophy. Uh it's probably an attempt at understanding the world. And mm-hmm. when we attempt to understand the world, the first question that arises is whether or not what we are looking at is real. Yeah. Yeah, the question of reality comes up. And uh, therefore, that is what we have planned uh, to be the first t- uh, topic for our first episode. Uh, which is reality. The question we'll be asking is, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly,
1: because if we cannot even
0: know for sure that
1: whatever we see around us is real, then what is the point of like doing anything at all? for for example us sitting here and talking about reality which is why we thought this would be a very good place to start right so opening thoughts opening thoughts on reality or whether you think uh, we do if we live in a simulation before we like jump
0: right in okay uh no i do not believe we live in a simulation there, there's too much left unanswered in those arguments And secondly, if we were simulations, yeah, and we lived in a world that was simulated, then it wouldn't matter to me. All right, in the larger scheme of things, it would honestly make no difference to me. So simulation for me really doesn't make a difference because uh, me being a part of simulation doesn't affect my perception in any way. Yeah, the world still is the world for me and it still follows certain rules, which I strive to understand. Yeah. And It just might be a simulation. Yeah, but a simulation can have 3D properties. It might be a simulation in a five-dimensional world. Yeah, yeah, so you never know. So because of that, because it doesn't matter in the larger scheme of things, I do not believe it's a simulation. It's more interesting to think it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but
1: why the question arises at all is because, think about this. There is no way in which you can know about anything without your mind being involved right because uh, whatever you see you see it because your eyes catch light and then take it to your brain so that way everything is dependent on your mind so what that means is there is no way in which you can ever empirically if i may use the word know whether or not something exists independent of your mind because everything has to get through your mind to get to you including your body You cannot even be sure that your body exists because the way you interact with your body is through your mind. You see it through your eyes, you can touch it through your hands. You have the tactile feeling of being in a body because your mind, because of your brain, right? Or your mind. We'll tackle whether the brain and the mind are the same thing in a later episode. But everything around you uh, that you see, that you feel through your perception and through your senses and perception depends on your mind, which is why the question arises at all: whether or not we can know something is real or not.
0: Okay, I have, I have to give a very personal opinion on this. Alright, uh, so uh, I've thought about the same question that you posed right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I came to a very interesting answer. I do not know how valid it is. It is something that I feel is very plausible. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you know, everything is composed of atoms, molecules. Mm. Yeah, everything is composed of these small inorganic matters. Matter, yeah which exists on at a different level of space, it occupies a different level of space. Yeah, the the tiny, they're, yeah, exactly. yeah, they're subatomic, all okay. right, <laughs> <sub-atomic. laughs> <laughs> they're subatomic. So, uh, and and they make up a, literally everything in existence is made up out of them. Um, you you must be aware, you must be familiar with uh, this sh- with the Schrodinger's wave function, yeah, yeah, and how it fun- uh, how it operates for a. Uh, for, for those who don't know Schrodinger's wave function basically postulates that uh, what we see what we see as reality is just the wave function being broken yeah uh, and it is us perceiving a certain set of events in a certain way because the the, the mere act of perception breaks the wave function because light is being perceived yeah. uh, and therefore events become determined until they are until events are not perceived they are undetermined the
1: existence multiple yeah the existence uh, of yeah, multiple states, dimensions yeah.
0: the exi- existence of multiple states ex- uh, at the same time so until an event is witnessed it is not determined uh so because of that i believe that our the world we live in is highly subjective to our body and the way our senses work all right because it is eyes that perceive certain clusters of matter certain yeah. clusters of atoms in a certain way things might not be the color you think you think they are things might not exist exactly yeah the same way yeah it's just the way your uh, a body part of yours chooses to transmit information and Project, just the yeah. way that your brain chooses to interpret it it might be we might just be atoms floating in space but Exactly. It's we just look whole. We just look whole, or but we're not. We feel whole we, to yeah, each other. Yeah. We fo- feel whole to each other, but we're not. Yeah, We're just perceptions of things that our brain has created to make sense of where we exist. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's I don't know what kind of thought that is. That is slightly scary, but it's also very yeah. liberating. <laughs> but that's extremely
1: valid because, as I said, your mind could be entirely making up everything that you see. And you will have no way to verify it because the subjective essentially is the only thing that you can be sure of. Yeah. The only thing you can be, So this is a question both of uh, metaphysics and epistemology. Epistemology is the study of knowledge, whether you can know something. Well, metaphysics is the study of meta plus physics, so yeah. beyond the physical, right? Which is why the question essentially is, can you know anything that is outside of your mind? And you cannot. You can only be sure of what is inside your mind, your own thoughts. Yep. That's the only thing that you can be sure of. Which is why, as you said, the world can be real, but it can be entirely different than we imagine. So it might not be like we, we are in a simulation. We might be real, but the world might be entirely different. And we'll never find out. Because, I mean, to take a very common example, if you look at a table with your naked eye, it looks very different. You look at You look at it from under a microscope, it looks entirely different. And it's the same thing. That's the same thing that could be happening with us because at what point do you say the table if you see the table has four legs and a certain shape but on a, on a micro microscope you won't see the four legs because it magnifies into a very small area and yet that is also the same table. True. Exactly how our mind could be working. We, we yeah. have no way in which to verify or not verify it which is why the point you made is extremely valid about, uh, about uh, the fact that we might be living in a world Entirely different from the one we see. Could the world be like a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think time for some jargon. So the, there's a belief system uh, which is which is like really sexy. Uh, I I would like to believe in it, but I don't know if I can. It's called solipsism. It believes that the only thing that exists in the world is your own mind. All of you on an individual level, the, because on, the only thing you can be sure of is your own mind. You can only be sure of that your mind is the only thing that exists. Therefore, everything else is fake. Yeah. Solipsists believe that the only thing that is true is the mind and the mind has made up everything that you see. That's like a crazy belief. And that's a belief that you cannot work with. Because the very fact that we are recording this podcast at this instance, for example, shows that we are not solipsists because we believe that you exist. Right? That... that uh, both of us exist and not just our mind which is why we are recording the podcast otherwise it's just a perverse thing to do if you if I think that you're a zombie or like you do not exist and which means I'm just doing this for myself which is what we're also kind I of have, doing I have we? so
0: many thoughts on what you just said Atish first of all to begin with never call, call solipsism sexy again oh, I really right. I think it's really I'm sexy I'm very sorry uh, it's just seductive I, I really like it cancel yourself <laughs> <laughs> alright secondly <laughs> Uh, I do not know uh, to what extent solipsism uh, postulates the existence of just one mind. Just just
1: one mind. Your own.
0: Because uh, I feel, I don't know, uh, solipsism to me has always been a representation of knowing the limit of knowing, yeah? That's skepticism. No, dude. Uh, f- for example, solipsism has always known the only access to knowledge that you have is your mind. Yeah. Okay, that's why it has rejected all forms of physical inferences from a lot of physical phenomena because they do not trust it. All right, yeah. And that is, uh, that is a very viable stand to take. They do not trust it. And uh, because they believe that the only valid source of knowledge, a knowledge system that is the only valid knowledge system is your mind. And therefore, you should only trust what stems from your mind and what stems from logical thinking. I do not believe they ever postulated that your mind is the only mind. That's what they literally say. No, dude, they what what they say is for you. All right. yeah, the, yeah, for for, for the individual. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Your mind is the only mind. Your mind is the only thing you'll ever have whole knowledge about. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. But that doesn't mean just because something you cannot have full knowledge of something, it does not exist. I know exactly why. All right. Yeah, which is so,
1: exactly why solipsism is not widely accepted, right? Because how do you scale that from an individual to a collective level? Because if the only you don't, thing it is, exactly, yeah some philosophies are not collectivist by nature. Exactly. So it it is by definition you it breaks down everything from communication, like, all sorts of communication, because if everything is made up, you don't even have to communicate, to say, because all of it's a simulation and, you can, and your mind can do whatever it wants to with it. So, which is why solipsism is not a very popular belief, yeah. which is why it's sexy, because you want to believe in
0: it. Yo, what is this? But yeah, I like the way you look at solipsism,
1: it. because you should not look at it in a very literal way, I think, which I'm, I, I did, because yeah. The only thing you can be sure of uh, on an individual level is your own mind, yeah. so which is why you should not make any judgments about anything beyond it. That, yeah, that that's a nice interpretation, but then it doesn't work on more than a individual level. So essentially, yeah. it's, it's, it's like it's not a collectivist that, yeah. philosophy. Exactly. It yeah.
0: promotes it promotes individual rationality. I feel or nihilism not nihilism. Uh, I feel, uh, okay, solipsism, if uh, if you look at it, it emerged in early Greece. Uh, it has its roots in early Greek philosophers. Uh, and most of them, most of their writings and most of their thought eventually evolved into a certain democratic setup of society. Not fully democratic, uh, democratic but still an attempt at democracy. Um, and solipsism, I feel, is a representation of that kind of free thinking. Yeah, it... What it asks of each man is to think for themselves. Think only for themselves. If one can do that, mm-hmm. nobody else needs to do the thinking for you then. You lose the need for a centralized authority when a person can think for himself. The problem with a lot of political systems today is mass- the masses refuse to think for themselves. Yeah. They need to follow an opinion created by somebody else.
1: So yeah, the uh, other, another thing that you cannot be sure of, We talked about space. You cannot also be sure of time. Because it's extremely possible that you came into being in the last few minutes. And yet, when you look back, you have all the memories, which could also be created by your mind. And no way that you can verify it. So, the only thing that you can then be actually sure of is the now and at this place. So, the only thing I'm sure about is my mind at this current moment and nothing else. Not the past, not the future. Which is why I think that your point about solipsism makes sense because you cannot be sure of the future as well. So death might be extremely good. Which is also what Socrates said.
0: Okay, very interesting point that you've just made about the mind existing just in the present, yeah? Uh, I would just like to put forward a curious fact. There's a certain delay of a few microseconds, yeah? From all our sensory input and the time our brain takes to register and uh, process everything that it is receiving and make sense of it. Uh, so there's there's a certain microseconds of delay and uh, b- because of that everything that everything that we feel is real or everything that we see as reality and the present is actually in the past yeah it has already happened you're it's continuously you're continuously living in the past and you're never truly living in the present dude but yeah so
1: <laughs> i mean a lot of people dismiss this thought because uh, obviously i mean it is so intense instinctive for us to believe that of course we exist, of course everyone around us exists, of course the people that I see exist. So people say there is the scientific method that can prove to you the fact that things objectively exist because the scientific method claims, I mean it is based entirely on objectivity mm. and by definition it goes beyond experience. But, but think about it, you have formulated a theory, say the theories of motion that Newton formulated and then you test them in nature. Now the theories could be entirely true, but the only way you would know that whether these theories work or not is again, you guessed it, through your mind. So the scientific method could be entirely true. I, I am not questioning that. Einstein could be true. Newton could be true. But the point that you verify it to be true or not automatically means that your mind is involved. So the question is not whether or not something is real. The question is whether you can ever be able to tell what is real from what is not because you cannot ever say and that question the reason why i'm stressing on it is because it's very easy to dismiss on the first at first sight but it's a question that requires people to contemplate on a lot because as you said if you take it in a very motivation (laughs) i don't like the word in a positive uh, way or whatever then it can actually make you believe make you skeptical of a lot of things and therefore provide you a lot of growth in all senses because then you won't buy an idea just because it's seductive or something yeah you can also think for yourself which is why this question is an extremely important one so which is why we should not dismiss it
0: despite it looking so uh, stupid to begin with there are two major thoughts in Indian philosophy one is the Advaita philosophy and the other is the Dvaita philosophy in its very simple sense, dvaita means it believes in a duality, and therefore all of its philosophy stems from an assumption in the duality of nature, of perspective of human beings. And a dvaita philosophy believes in uh, a unity. Yeah, it believes in an undifferentiated being. And both of these are connected at at its core, uh, because it's a because it's like a it's like a family tree. Yeah, it starts off with the common yeah. Uh, so they connected id score uh, and it stems from the way hinduism looks at reality and looks at the world uh, before we go on i just want to clarify that from now on when i when i'm referring to hindu philosophy uh, i'm i'm referring to either advaita or dvaita forms of philosophy but not just to them but also to the subsequent the subsequent thoughts that have followed uh, that include sufism that include jainism buddhism that include uh, various different sects of bhak- the the whole bhakti movement, the bhakti poets, their whole uh, form of thought. Uh, I am including all of that under hin- Hindu philosophy because it's that not a singular notion. Yeah, it's not a singular notion. It is it is an attempt at finding the truth by using certain assumptions, and a lot of a lot of different people have pro- professed to find a certain truth uh under hindu philosophy yeah? and they've called it their own thing but all of them speak of either a particular unity or a particular duality and they both stem from these two bro- broader larger uh, forms of thought so where it stems from essentially is that uh it posits uh, Ad- Advaita philosophy posits that before reality there was just the under yeah uh it was Pure consciousness, it was all there was that ever existed. Alright, it was pure will, it was everything that ever was and is and will be. Condensed into one very tiny ball. It just existed, that is all it was. And uh, at a point, you can't say it's a point in time because time did not exist. Alright, there was just a point where uh, the consciousness decided that I want a body not i want a body i need to be seen okay okay. that is how the mythology puts it the atman the consciousness deci- felt that it wanted to be seen and therefore it created like then divided into two different forms of being the shiv and the shakti yeah the male and the female forms of energy were where this division came from so uh the male form or the shiv was supposed to be uh Everything that is, yeah, it was supposed to be the god figure, and the shakti was the way. Shakti was life. Shakti was what viewed Shiva, and therefore made the perception happen. Therefore, created life. All right, is what is what Advaita philosophy posited. Advaita Ard- philosophy, uh, the mythology of Advaita philosophy leads to the creation of Advaita philosophy. Okay. What it posits is that the world is a certain way, but human beings view it a certain way you cannot view it beyond a certain way yeah you cannot view the world in its unity the world is a unity because of certain reasons all right that is how that is what we believe that the world is a unity we view a duality because there is no other way we can perceive the world oh okay all right that is where the main differentiation between the two major f- uh, forms of thought comes in and they are never at uh, they are never contradicting each other they are always complimenting each other so, uh, for example, Advaita philosophy, yeah? like the whole uh, Hindu basis of thought is based on the fact that when you die, your souls go back to the one being, to the Atman. In Indian mythology, Shiva has the third eye. The third eye is meant, whenever the third eye opens, destruction takes place. He's known as the destroyer because when the third third eye opens, he's doing the Tandav ta- and the taandab the taandab the destruction takes place. Uh, I I feel that is... Uh, the destruction over there is interpreted wrongly. Yeah? it is interpreted wrongly in the sense that they have not understood, uh what reality actually means in Hindu philosophy when you call it destruction. That is a very literal translation in an in a very Anglo-centric a- atmosphere. Okay. Alright. It is. It is. It is representative of con- representative in a very material sense. In a very material sense, it is representative of a concept that does not exist in Western thought. Alright. Okay. When when Shiva opens the third eye his third eye is meant to bring unity all right when shiva opens the third eye he stops being two shiva and shakti and he views the world as one consciousness as one atman okay. and therefore everything is destroyed because it does not exist it becomes one oh. with the oh, atman okay. so yeah. so that's why Ardvaita, the advaita state is achieved and therefore that's why shiva and shiva opens his third eye it is viewed as destruction because it is it feels like destruction to us
1: Okay, so what you're essentially saying is uh, we humans have to perceive what is in a dualist material sense. Yeah. Right? And whenever, for example, the third eye opens, the dualism disappears, which is why we feel it's a destruction because we can no longer see the world the way we used to. Yeah.
0: And we are not capable of seeing it the way it actually is. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I feel when the third eye opens, you become truly capable of looking at the world the way it is. And that's why... The destruction happens Yeah, uh, the way the world is in it is that it exists in, in its unity in the fact that everything is undifferentiated everything is one yeah that is what all major philosophical thoughts profess at their core that everything is one you you we're all connected and that is that is what the third eye brings into existence it uh, brings together shiva and the shakti and it creates unity out of the duality that exists
1: I mean, uh, the, I think one philosopher, Heidegger, does come close because uh, in Western philosophy, the question of mind and body was tackled by Descartes, hmm. who said that uh, they are two different entities, right? And thereby, uh, both Cartesian dualism, yeah, as we call it now. But Heidegger said even before you think, go, uh, think that I think, therefore I am, which is the central thesis of Descartes. He says the first thing that everyone feels is you exist now at a certain point. And yet for 3,000 years, philosophers have ignored it because it was so instinctive. They like, take it for granted that, as you said, what exactly is real is not questioned. It, it automatically is presumed that reality means something. Exactly, And yeah. under that presumption, you try to find answers. So Heidegger questions, when you ask the, even when you ask the question, what is it to exist? You automatically assume there is such a thing as existence in a s- certain definite manner, which might not exactly be the case. Which, which is why his idea of... Uh, das, I don't know how to pronounce it. D-A-S-E-I-N. He says, is this state of being where all being not just humans, have a same consciousness that cannot be separated at all. And all of our yeah. perception by... Whenever we put things into words and questions, we always break away from it because we have to. Otherwise, there's no other way in which we can think, is what he says. So I think he was... Like just like pl- plagiarizing yeah, yeah, yeah. from uh, Hindu <laughs> philosophy, uh, yeah, because he was a phenomenologist, and phenomenology tries to understand phenomenon as they are from beyond experience. Okay. So he obviously had to do this. I think a uh, big detour, but I think the mind-body problem is a very essential one to the question of reality because of the centrality of the mind to the question of reality. So I think essentially there are just there are three questions in the crux of the issue one is is it possible that our mind is all there is hmm. and all the reality that we observe is either entirely made up or very different to what we actually see it as second question is what the scientific method claims to answer and uh, which is is there an is there any way in which we can say that these possibility can actually be ruled out hmm. which the scientific method claims to do but as i said The only way you can know whether the method works or not is again through experience so it does not eliminate anything. The third question is whether if you find out that you cannot eliminate something which as we have concluded that we cannot eliminate that we might be living in a simulation. Is it ethical or right to go on existing and behaving as if the world is you? Anyway, so those are the three questions. So now we worried for it. We worried about it for like an hour. Now it's time for you to worry about it. That's what philosophy is about. <laughs> we wanted to introduce this to you so that you can worry. Sharing
0: despair. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing despair.
1: <laughs> when, when you go to sleep tonight, you'll be thinking, oh my shit. Oh my fuck, I cannot, I'm not oh even sure. If, I'm not even sure if
0: this bed is real. Shut up, man. No, it's <laughs> <I don't laughs> Okay, guys, anyway, have a good have day. Thank great you very much day. for yeah. listening.
1: Join us next time.